This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Amber Takaro? Amber Tukaro was born in Alberta, Canada on January 3, 1990. She was a member of the Mikaso Cree First Nation. Amber had financial problems. She went back and forth between living at her mother's residence in Fort McMurray and a local women's shelter. At the shelter, Amber met a woman named Evangeline. Amber and Evangeline decided to take an impromptu vacation to Edmonton, Canada. 20-year-old Amber and her friend Evangeline flew from Fort McMurray to Edmonton on August 17, 2010. They brought along Amber's son Jacob, who was 14 months old. Amber's mother didn't think that the trip was a good idea, but allowed Amber to travel because it was just for one overnight. On August 18, the next day, Amber and Evangeline checked into the Nisku Place Motel, which is outside Edmonton. They stayed there because it was cheaper than staying in the city. They planned on spending the night there and then traveling to Edmonton the next morning. That evening, Amber deviated from the plan without explanation. She decided that she wanted to go into Edmonton immediately. Evangeline agreed to watch Jacob, and Amber left. She walked out to a nearby road and started hitchhiking, climbing into a vehicle sometime between 7.30 and 8 p.m. This practice is quite dangerous, but it was not unusual for Amber or people in her community due to the high level of poverty. Amber did not return to the motel the next day. Nobody had seen her. Her friends and family became concerned. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police were notified. After finding out about how Amber had been hitchhiking, they didn't seem particularly anxious to find her. They thought that Amber was just enjoying herself. She probably went to a party in Edmonton. They were confident that she would return soon. When Amber did not return, the police still didn't investigate too much. There was an unconfirmed sighting of Amber on August 28, which prompted the police to remove her name from the missing persons list. The police never bothered to confirm the sighting. To ensure that their incompetence would rise to the level of legendary, they also failed to collect Amber's personal property from the motel in a timely manner, and they destroyed her suitcase. The police were sticking with their story that Amber had just run away to have fun. It didn't strike them as unusual that she left her son behind. Nothing happened in the case for about two years. There were no new leads, no sightings, no new information. On August 28, 2012, the police indicated that they had a recording of a phone call that Amber had received on the day she disappeared. The police did not say who made the call, but a news media outlet discovered the person that Amber was on the phone with was her brother, who was incarcerated at that time. This makes sense because his calls would have been recorded. Apparently, Amber's brother called her between 7.30 and 8 p.m. on August 18, 2010. The recording is 17 minutes long, but the police only released a small part of it. In the release segment, Amber can be heard talking to an unidentified male, like someone sitting next to her in a vehicle. Here's a summary of what was said. Amber asked the man 
where are we by? Like she wants to know where they are. The man indicates that they are heading south of Beaumont, only to correct himself and say north of Beaumont. Amber says, where are we going? The man indicates that he is using a back road. Amber said, are you kidding me? The man replies that he is not kidding her. Amber said, you better not be taking me anywhere I don't want to go. I want to go to the city. Then she realizes they're not going to the city. The man insists that they are and talks about 50th Street. Amber doesn't seem to be buying this. They go back and forth a few times before the call abruptly terminates. The police had hoped somebody could identify the voice of the unidentified male. Three people came forward and said that they knew who it was. The individual they identified was taken into custody, but then released. The police said he is not a person of interest. On September 1, 2012, which was four days after the police released the segment of the recording, individuals riding horses in a rural area of Leduc County found skeletal remains. The police identified the remains as belonging to Amber. Her body was located about 17 miles from the motel. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Amber was the fourth indigenous woman who had disappeared while hitchhiking who was found in that area. All the bodies were located within a few miles of one another. The male in the voice recording remains unidentified. It seems reasonable to believe that this individual may have been Amber's killer. An independent federal review was conducted on this case in 2018. It found that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police made a number of mistakes. Just to name a few, they waited too long to interview the friend who was with Amber and to interview Amber's mother. They failed to collect evidence and destroyed evidence. They released inaccurate information to the media they withheld details that would have helped the public identify the killer. They removed Amber from the missing persons list and failed to consider that Amber's lifestyle was high risk. The review found that the police did not have any racial bias, which implies that the police didn't care about Amber's ethnicity. They were always this incompetent. Now moving to my analysis. First, I'll look at Amber's disappearance and murder, then look at the police incompetence. The police clearly have much more information about this case than they're sharing. They may have their reasons for doing this, but it is difficult to have any confidence in their ability to make those decisions. Like they shouldn't be deciding what is released and what is not released. 
they've proven that that is outside of their capabilities. There has never been an explanation for why Amber left the motel. Why was she so eager to get to Edmonton? Maybe the police were right. She wanted to go there to party. It appears as though Amber did not know the man who was driving the vehicle. She knew the call was being recorded, yet never mentioned his name. If the unidentified male was the killer, he was particularly brazen. He almost certainly knew that Amber was on the phone, yet that did not deter him. In addition to the potential that somebody else was listening to him and were recording the call, which of course was happening, one would think that he would be worried about potential GPS signals. None of that seemed to matter. It seems likely that whoever killed Amber is a serial killer. Many serial killers target vulnerable victims, like sex workers or people addicted to substances. This particular serial killer appears to have found another vulnerable population, people who are dependent on hitchhiking. Usually, serial killers are not passive in their victim selection, like they don't wait until somebody jumps into their car and then decide they want to be a serial killer. This particular killer seemed to be more patient than the average perpetrator. This results in an unusual personality profile. The killer is fearless enough to murder Amber, even though she was on the phone, yet cautious enough to wait for victims to encounter him in routine, unplanned circumstances. Now moving to the actions of the police. Missing persons cases are challenging when the potential victim has a high-risk lifestyle. The police can put in a lot of work during an investigation, only to find out that the person shows up later without incident. Even still, an investigation is required. The police really took it easy on this one. They didn't do hardly anything to find Amber. What's most surprising about the behavior of the police is that they thought that Amber would leave her son for that long. Like one night she just decides to leave him, and that's it. She continues to party for months or years. It doesn't make any sense. If that was really what Amber was doing, why didn't the police charge her with abandoning her son? An unconfirmed sighting of Amber was enough to remove her from the missing person list. It's hard to imagine how the police can justify this behavior. The term missing person has two components. The individual has to be missing and they have to be a person. It seems pretty straightforward. The argument of the police was probably something like they didn't consider Amber to be missing anymore, but I think in reality, they did not think of her as a person. That's why she wasn't on the list. It wasn't the missing part, it was the person part. To them, she didn't matter. The police only took Amber's disappearance seriously after getting the recording, which somehow took them about two years to get, even though it was made on the day Amber disappeared. This makes the behavior of the police particularly offensive. Amber stayed on the phone for 17 minutes in an effort to collect evidence against someone she knew was dangerous. She may have even known this man was going to kill her. Yet the police did not honor her effort in the least bit. Her last moments were spent trying to help them solve the case. Even that could not convince them to do a good job. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis.
Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave four-year vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Slaycation.